chapter fifteen of the silent battle by george gibbs recording by tony oliva this librivox recording is in the public domain discovered women have a code of their own a system of signals a lip and sign language perfectly intelligible among themselves but mystifying as they purpose it to be to mere man overweening husbands with a fine air of letting the cat out of the bag have been known to whisper that these carefully guarded secrets are no secrets at all and that women are merely children of a larger growth playing at hide-and-seek with one another and with their common enemy for the mere love of the game that there are no mysteries in their natures to be solved and that the vaunted woman's instinct like the child's is as apt to be wrong as often as it is right of course no one believes in this and even if one did man would go his way and woman hers woman would continue to believe in the accuracy of her intuitions and man would continue to marvel at them woman would continue to play at hide-and-seek and man would continue to enjoy the game call them by what name you please instinct intuition or guesswork mrs richard pennington had succeeded by methods entirely feminine in discovering that phil gallatin's dryad was jane loring that he was badly in love with her and that jane was not indifferent to his attentions phil gallatin had not been difficult to read and mrs pennington took a greater pride in the discovery of jane's share in the romance for she knew when jane left her house in company with phil that her intuition had not erred jane loring had kissed her on both cheeks and called her odious this in itself was almost enough but to complete the chain of evidence she learned that dawson her head coachman in the course of execution of her orders had gone as far north as one hundred twenty fifth street before his unfortunate mistake of miss loring's number had been discovered by the occupants of the brougham mrs pennington realized that this last bit of evidence had been obtained at the expense of a breach of hospitality for she was not a woman who made a practice of talking with her servants but she was sure that the ends had justified the means and the complete success of her maneuver more than compensated for her slight loss of self-respect in its accomplishment but while her discovery pleased her she was not without a sense of responsibility in the matter she had been hoping for a year that a girl of the right kind would come between phil and the fate he seemed to be courting for since his mother's death he had lived alone and seclusion was not good for men of his habits she had wanted phil to meet jane loring and her object in bringing them together had been expressed in a definite hope that they would learn to like each other a great deal but now that she knew what their relations were 
she was slightly oppressed by the thought of unpleasant possibilities it was in the midst of these reflections that miss jaffray was announced and in a moment she entered the room with a long half mannish half feline stride and took up her place before the mantelpiece where she stood her feet apart toasting her back at the open fire mrs pennington indicated the cigarettes and nina jaffray took one rolling it in her fingers and tapping the end of it on her wrist to shake out the loose dust as a man would do i'm flattered nina said nellie pennington to what virtue of mine am i indebted for the earliness of this visit i slept badly said nina laconically and i'm the anodyne thanks oh no merely an antidote for what myself i've got the blues you impossible oh yes it's quite true i'm quite wretched dressmaker or milliner neither just bored i think you know i've been out five years now think of it and i'm twenty-four isn't that enough to make an angel weep it's too sad to mention said mrs pennington you used to be such a nice little thing too nina jaffray raised a hand in protest don't nelly it's no joke i can tell you i'm not a nice little thing any longer and i know it i'm a hoydenish hard-riding loud-spoken vixen and that's the truth i wish i was a nice little thing as you call it like jane loring for instance with illusions and hopes and a proclivity for virtue i'm not i like the talk of men that's not unnatural so do i i mean the talk of men among men they interest me more what they say than what they are they're genuine somehow you can get the worst and the best of them at a sitting one can't do that with women most of us are forever purring and pawing and my dearing one another when we know that what we want to do is to spit and claw i like the easy ways of men collectively nelly not individually and i've come and gone among them because it seemed the most natural thing in the world to do i've made a mistake i know it now when a girl gets to be a good fellow she does it at the expense either of her femininity or her morals and men make the distinction without difficulty i'm a good fellow she said scornfully and i'm decent men know it but they know too that i have no individual appeal why only last week at the breakfast the sacket boy clapped me on the back and called me a jolly fine chap i put him down i can tell you i'd rather he'd called me anything anything even something dreadful if it had only been feminine she flicked her cigarette into the fire and dropped into a chair mrs pennington laughed all oh, this is very unmanly of you nina oh i'm not joking you're like the others just because i've ridden through life with a light hand you think i'm in no danger of a cropper well i am 
i've had too light a hand and i'm out in the back stretch with a winded horse you didn't make that mistake nellie why couldn't you have warned me mrs pennington held off the embroidery frame at an arm's length and examined it with interest you didn't ask me to nina she replied quietly no i didn't i never ask advice when i do it's only to do the other thing but you might have offered it just the same i might have if i knew you wouldn't have followed it no reflectively i think i'd have done what you said i like you immensely you know Nellie. you're a good sort besides being everything i'm not meaning what oh i don't know you're all woman for one thing i have had two children smiled the other toward the ceiling i could hardly be anything else is that it asked the visitor and then after a pause i don't like children not other people's you'd adore your own i wonder mrs pennington's pretty shoulders gave an expressive shrug marry my dear nothing defines one's sex so accurately marry for love if you can marry for money if you must but marry just the same you may be unhappy but you'll never be bored nina jeffrey gazed long into the fire i've been thinking about it she said that's what i came to see you about oh nina i'm delighted cried nellie pennington genuinely and so flattered who my dear child i've been thinking seriously you must have had dozens of offers oh yes from fortune hunters and gentlemen jockeys but i'm not a philanthropic institution curiously enough my taste is quite conventional i want a new yorker a man with a mind with a future perhaps neither a prig nor a rake human enough not to be too good decent enough not to be burdensome a man with weaknesses if you like a poor man perhaps nina who miss jeffrey paused i thought i'd marry phil gallatin she said quietly mrs pennington laid her embroidery frame down and looked up quickly nina jeffrey's long legs were extended toward the blaze but her head was lowered and her eyes gazed steadily before her it was easily to be seen that she was quite serious more serious than mrs pennington liked phil gallatin oh nina you can't mean it i do there isn't a man in new york i'd rather marry than phil does he know it no but i mean that he shall don't be foolish you two would end in the ditch in no time nina straightened and examined her hostess calmly do you think so she asked at last yes i think so nellie pennington paused and whatever it was that she had in mind to say remained unspoken instinct had already warned her that nina was the kind of girl who is only encouraged by obstacles and it was not her duty to impose them stranger things have happened nellie she laughed but are you sure phil will uh, accept you 
oh no and i shan't be discouraged if he refuses she went on oblivious of nellie pennington's humor then you do mean to speak to him of course nina's eyes showed only grave surprise at the question how should he know otherwise your methods are nothing if not direct phil would never guess unless i told him for a clever man he's singularly stupid about women i think that's why i like him why shouldn't i tell him what's the use of beating around the bush it's such a waste of time and energy mrs pennington's laugh threw discretion to the winds oh nina you'll be the death of me yet there never was such a passion since the beginning of time i didn't say i loved phil gallatin corrected nina promptly i said i decided to marry him and have you any reason to suppose that he shares your uh, nubile emotions none whatever he has always been quite indifferent to me to all women i think the arrangement might be advantageous to him he's quite poor and i've got more money than i know what to do with he's not a fool and i'm nellie i'm not old-looking or ugly am i why shouldn't he like me if he doesn't like anyone else no reason in the world dear i'd marry you if i were a man mrs pennington took to cover uneasily conscious that here was a situation over which she could have no control she was not in phil gallatin's confidence or in jane loring's and the only kind of discouragement she could offer must fail of effectiveness with a girl who all her life had done everything in the world that she wanted to do and who had apparently decided that what she now wanted was phil gallatin nina's plans would have been amusing had they not been rather pathetic for nellie pennington had sought and found below her visitor's calm exterior a vein of seriousness of regret and self-reproach which was not to be diverted by the usual methods did she really care for phil clever as mrs pennington was she could not answer that but she knew that it was a part of nina jaffray's methods to do the unexpected thing so that her sincerity was therefore always open to question nellie pennington took the benefit of that doubt has it occurred to you nina that he may care for some one else her visitor turned quickly you don't think so do you she asked sharply how should i know mrs pennington evaded i've thought of that nellie who was phil's wood nymph he's very secretive about it i wonder why i don't believe there was a wood nymph said mrs pennington slowly besides phil would hardly be in love with that sort of girl that's just the point what sort of a girl was she what reason could phil have for keeping the thing a secret was it an amourette if it was then it's phil gallatin's business and nobody else's but if the girl was one of phil's own class and station like miss loring announced the french maid softly from the doorway 
nina geoffrey paused and an expression of annoyance crossed her face she straightened slowly in her chair then rose and walked across the room mrs pennington hoped that she would go but she only took another cigarette and lit it carefully you're too popular nelly she said taking a chair by the fire mrs pennington raised a protesting hand don't say that nina for years i've been dreading that adjective when a woman finds herself popular with her own sex it means that she's either too passe to be dangerous too staid to be interesting or too stupid to be either morning jane so glad is it chilly out or are those cheeks your impersonal expression of the joy of living both you lazy creature how do you do nina this is my dinner call mrs pennington i simply couldn't wait to be formal i'm glad dear and then mischievously did you get home safely oh yes but it was a pity to take poor mr gallatin so far out of his way she replied carelessly poor phil that's the fate of these stupid ineligible bachelors to act as postilion to the chariot of venus awfully nice boy but so uninteresting at times is he i thought him very attractive said jane he's one of the gallatins isn't he yes dear the last of them i was afraid you wouldn't like him oh yes i do quite a great deal he's a friend of yours isn't he nina i've known him for ages said miss jaffray dryly and then to mrs pennington why shouldn't jane like him nelly oh i don't know she finished with a gesture of graceful retirement their game of hide-and-seek was amusing but hazardous in the present company so she quickly turned the conversation into other channels nina geoffrey and jane loring had met in the late autumn at a house-party at the ledyard's place in virginia and while their natures were hardly concordant each had found in the other some ingredients which made for amiability jane's interest had been dictated by curiosity rather than approval for nina geoffrey was like no other girl she had ever met before whatever her manners and these jane discovered could be atrocious her instincts were good and her intentions seemed of the best to miss geoffrey jane loring was a nice little thing who had shown a disposition not to interfere with other people's plans a nice little thing amiable and a trifle prudish for whom nina's kind of men hadn't seemed to care they had not been and could never be intimate but upon a basis of good fellowship they existed with mutual toleration and regard nellie pennington from her shadowed corner watched the two girls with the keenest of interest and curiosity nina geoffrey sat with hands clasped around one upraised knee her head on one side listening carelessly to jane's enthusiastic account of the ledyard's ball commenting only in monosyllables 
but interested in spite of herself in jane's ingenuous point of view aware in her own heart of a slight sense of envy that she no longer possessed a susceptibility to those fresh impressions nina was not pretty this morning nellie pennington thought hers was the effectiveness of midnight which requires a spotlight and accessories and unless in the hunting field midday was unkind to her while jane who had danced late brought with her all the freshness of early blossoms but she liked nina and that remarkable confession however stagey and nina-esque had set her thinking about jane loring and mr gallatin it was a pretty triangle and promised interesting possibilities jane was still speaking when nina interrupted as though through all that she had heard one train of thought had persisted what did you mean nelly about phil gallatin being ineligible she asked and i know you don't think him stupid and why shouldn't jane loring like him i don't think i understand nelly pennington smiled she had made a mistake hide-and-seek as a game depends for its success upon the elimination of the bystander i am afraid of course that jane would be falling in love with him she said lightly and then that would have been a pity don't you think so nina there's hardly a danger of that laughed jane seeing that i've just been introduced to the man you needn't be at all afraid nina i'm not besides he's awfully gone on a wood nymph you saw him blush when i spoke of it at dinner here didn't you jane yes i did said jane now quite rosy herself phil wouldn't have blushed you know said nina confidently unless he was terribly rattled he was rattled that's what i can't understand suppose he did find a girl who was lost in the woods what of it it's nobody's business but his own and the girl's i'd be furious if people talked about me the way they're talking about phil and that girl i was lost once in the adirondacks you were too in canada only last summer jane you told me so down in virginia and jane loring had struggled hard to control her emotion and bent her head forward to conceal her discomposure but nina's eyes caught the rising color which had flowed to the very tips of her ears jane cried nina in sharp accents of amazed discovery it was you the game of hide-and-seek had terminated disastrously for jane and her system of signals useful to deceive as well as reveal had betrayed her it was clearly to be seen that further dissimulation would be futile so she raised her head slowly the color gone from her cheeks yes it was i she said with admirable coolness meeting mr gallatin here the other night reminded me of it that was one of the things i came to tell mrs pennington this morning but i don't suppose there's any reason why you shouldn't know it too nina if it hadn't been for mr gallatin i know i should have died you see 
i had slipped and wrenched my ankle and of course couldn't move it must have been terrible put in nellie pennington in dire distress you poor child i haven't spoken of it jane went on hurriedly because there wasn't any reason why i should but now of course that this story is going the rounds it's just as well that people knew it wasn't necessary to tell mr gallatin my name up there and until he met me in new york he did not know who i was that of course is why the whole thing has seemed so mysterious she paused and smiled rather obtrusively at her companions it's really a very trivial matter to make such a fuss about isn't it absurd said mrs pennington with enthusiasm i wouldn't worry about it in the least it does sound rather romantic though laughed jane uneasily but it wasn't a bit we nearly starved and poor mr gallatin was almost dead with fatigue when they found us who found you asked miss jaffray the guides of course oh said nina nellie pennington put down her embroidery and rose this wouldn't do jane she said laughing you make me wild with envy you're a person to whom all sorts of interesting things are always happening and now i hear you're engaged to coleman van dyne come child sit here and tell me all about it it's not true i'm very flattered of course but you'd better admit it nina won't tell will you nina but miss jaffray had risen and was drawing on her gloves oh no i wouldn't tell besides you know i don't believe it she glanced at the clock and brushed a speck from her sleeve i think i'll be going on she said good-bye jane nellie i'll see you at the pot and kettle won't i and went out of the room mrs pennington followed her to the upper landing and when she had gone returned thoughtfully to the room End of chapter fifteen